When the Levites, who were the priests of Israel, failed their job, then all of the people failed. This is a fascinating and a dangerous read if we pay attention to it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. In Judges we remain, and this is an amazing passage of Scripture. Corey and Ryan are here to tell us what they're doing. Corey. You know, there are details that are just way too easy to miss in the Bible. We're going to be focusing in on one of those details, the city of Mizpah. Ryan? Today I'm looking into the history of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, it's the tribe that King Saul hailed from and some other famous biblical figures. We'll talk about it. All right, look forward to that for the next 28 minutes. We're going to do this. Janice, what'd you do? I'm going to talk about living for Christ. All right, very good. 28 minutes, we're going to study this and look at it. So make sure you join us right now. Let's open up the world's best-selling book. That is the Bible, the most important book, and let's read what God said. Judges 18 verses 7 through 20. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtaol, and their brethren said to them, What is your report? So they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land. For God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. And six hundred men of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtaol, armed with weapons of war. Then they went up and encamped in Kirjath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore, they called that place Mahanadan to this day. There it is west of Kirjath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now therefore consider what you should do. So they turned aside there, and came to the house of a young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The six hundred men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the six hundred men who were armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? And they said to him, Be quiet. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us. 
be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you be a priest to a tribe and to a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, and took his place among the people. Judges chapter 18, verses 7 through 20. Judges chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, and chapter 21. This is what we study today as we read God's Word going through the Bible in one year. We've done this for 31 years. This is our 32nd year, and this is really important to keep in mind. You see, faith is often misunderstood when we live in a generation that has rejected or neglected Christ. Many misunderstand the way our faith should be and project their faith onto cultural and political things. Ancient Israel did just that. The laws of God were not in their heart. They were lost in their sin and were falling away from the Lord God. The Levites were charged with keeping the law of God in the presence of the people, but when they failed, the people failed. Now, this is what I call shaky faith. In the book of Judges, we read what happens when this kind of belief continues to grow. It simply morphs into deeper darkness as they fall and continue to fall. Remember what Psalm 107 verse 20 says. It's fascinating, actually. It says, God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Without Christ, without the word of God, faith is futile. Keep that in mind and take your Bible guide and turn with me to today's passage. And if you don't have a Bible guide, I want to encourage you to write for yours or call for yours or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible guide and it will take you to a donate page. Thank you very much for your donations. But it'll take you to a page where you can download the Bible guide as it's printed. And uh, you can, you're seconds away from joining us as we discuss shaky faith. It's going to be very good. Let's pray. Father, help us today to learn and understand what this means. Because we're going to read about something that happened that we didn't realize you're telling us the truth about. Help us not to misunderstand your Bible, but help us to understand. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make us to see what you're telling us and not to read into it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, Amen and Amen. Now, Look at the word, because this is important. Judges 18, we're going to begin with verse 7. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from Sidonian, the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. Then the spies, these are spies sent out by the tribe Dan. These are spies, and the spies came back to their brethren at Zeor in Eshtol, Eshtol, and their brethren said to them, what is your report? So they said, arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. 
would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. And 600 men from the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtoel, or Eshtoel, armed with weapons of war. And then they went up and encamped in Kareth-Jerim in Judah. Therefore, they called that place Mahana, Dan to this day. There it is west, or there it is, west of Kareth-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. What's going on? Very interesting. The Danites simply took what they wanted. They did not pray about it. They just took what they wanted. We need to hear what God says about others before we move on behalf of the Lord. How many of us have moved on our own behalf? I have. It's not pleasant. Sometimes it is, but then later it's not. But when I pray about it and I say, Lord, I need to move here. I need to do this. And he says, no. And I listen to him. It makes a lot of sense. Because I didn't see things that he saw. Joshua 18, 14 to 17. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Lachish, or Leish, answered and said to the brethren, Do you know that there is in these houses an ephod, household idols and carved images and molded image now? Therefore, consider what you should do. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. And the 600 men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. And then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up entering there. They took the carved images, the ephod, and the household idols, and the molded image. What does this mean? The priests stood at the entrance of the gate with a 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. What does this mean? The Danites took the idols and the offenses of God for themselves. We must follow the Lord God and worship him alone, beloved. Do you see what's happening here? They're taking the idols and the ephod. and I, I have no idea why they're doing that. They're supposed to be people of Israel of the tribe of Dan. And they're doing that. They're taking the wrong ones. Now, the Levite here should not have gone to that house and worked up the, we read about that previously. But let's look at 18 to 20 and get some more clarity on this. When these went into Micah's house, they took the carved image and the ephod and the household idols and the molded image. And the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, listen carefully, be quiet. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man or that you be a priest to the tribe and the family in Israel? Hmm. So the priest's heart was glad and he took the ephod, the household idols and the carved image and took his place among the people. Oh my goodness, the Levite who was a priest missed his command and calling. The priest blew it. Jesus Christ, thank God, is the commander of the church, praise God, today. 
and we need to serve him. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We need to serve him. Now, God selects pastors, of course, that lead us along the way, but we don't follow the pastor like we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus exclusively. But the pastor reads the Bible and leads us, and the pulpit is designed for the propagation of God's word, not the propagation of any other theory, not the propagation of pop psychology, but the propagation of God's wonderful word, which leads us to Jesus Christ, beloved. That is what we're called to do as pastors, as ministers, as people in the church. Didn't happen in the Bible. And God shows us. This is what happens when everybody goes off the rails. They're here, there, and everywhere. So, beloved, we need to remember that. And we need to pray and say, Father, help us to come back to following you. Help us to be real Christians, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, forgive me of my sin and help me today. And we said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Today, you and I are going to be focusing in on the ancient city of Mizpah because in our scripture today, it comes up as a meeting place of sorts. It's a really easy detail to gloss over, but when we stop and we look into it, there are some really amazing details that I really don't want us to miss. So take a look at ancient Mizpah. The place named Mizpah means watchtower, and there were a few biblical locations named this. First, Mizpah was used as another name for the pile of stones set up by Jacob and Laban in Genesis 31. This location was east of the Jordan River and may be why a later city here was called Mizpah. The later city was where the judge of Israel, Jephthah, made his home. The second Mizpah mentioned in scriptures is a valley that saw warfare from Joshua in the very north of Israel. Another Mizpah, called Mizpah of Moab, was a city outside of Israel where King David took his parents for protection. The fourth Mizpah is the most significant biblically, and the one that has likely been identified archaeologically. This Mizpah was a city in the territory of Benjamin. In the Bible, Mizpah of Benjamin was an important place of gathering and worship. In Judges, outraged tribes gathered here before the Lord. In 1 Samuel, the prophet and judge not only gathered the Israelites here, it was a city on a circuit that he visited regularly, and here he anointed Saul, the first king of Israel. Later in the scriptures, King Asa of Judah fortified Mizpah to defend himself against northern Israel. And while the prophet Hosea condemns the people for apostate worship, he cites Mizpah as a place where they'd engaged in idolatry. Still later, after the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem, Mizpah was turned into Judah's new Babylonian capital, and it even became home to the prophet Jeremiah. When the exiles returned to rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem, men from Mizpah are listed as helping construct the wall. This Mizpah of Benjamin is believed by most to be located at a site eight miles northwest of Jerusalem. Located on a major north-south road, here Mizpah would have had firm control over traffic to Jerusalem, a major incentive for King Asa to make it formidable. 
Archaeological excavations that were carried out here reveal a history that works hand in hand with the Bible. Remains from the time period of the Judges show that the city was inhabited when the Bible says Israel and Samuel were gathering there. In the next period of the Kings, the city saw a massive refortification process that replaced the old city wall with a new one. The new wall was 15 feet thick, plastered, included 11 towers, and a smooth sloped area down to a lower retaining wall, and at least in some areas, a dry moat. This new wall and its double gate complex are identified as Asa's upgrades to the city. A rich history from the Babylonian exile period has been unearthed as well. A palace, larger houses, and jars that may point to its use as an administration center. A unique signet seal from this time was also found bearing the name Jazaniah, Servant of the King. This may be the seal of the Jazaniah mentioned in 2 Kings 25 and Jeremiah 40, verse 8. So there we go. I mean, this portion of scripture is not an easy one. These last few chapters of Judges, they are not easy pieces of scripture to digest. And that's on purpose. It's telling the story, you know, of the, the recent family history of who will become King Saul, right? This is his family history. So it's really setting, setting us up for this time period of the Kings with all of its tragedy and redemption as well. So uh, it is important to pay attention to. It is important to look at the details of because they are going to come into play in first Samuel like never before. So this is a really good background and contextual image from which to understand Saul and then David. I think the details of the Bible, that's important. And uh, when we get into the Bible- It's all in there for a reason, yeah, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, God doesn't waste words and he doesn't uh, take us down a journey of, you know, just different things. He He's telling us something. Very important, right? Yeah, well, my segment today is kind of a continuation for yesterday's report, which showed how the book of Judges was written to encourage the Israelites to follow King David and his house tribe uh, and tribe Judah, rather than the house of Saul and his tribe of Benjamin. And the writer of Judges did this by comparing the many successes of Judah to the various failings of Benjamin. Now, this is really seen clearly in Judges chapter 20, in which the tribe of Benjamin caused a civil war to break out. And this event really falls in line with the prophecy given by the patriarch Jacob over his son Benjamin back in Genesis 49. So let's review the initial prophecy given and the later history of the tribe of Benjamin. Though the birthing Rachel in her dying breath named her newborn son Benoni, meaning son of my sorrow, his father Jacob renamed him Benjamin, meaning son of my right hand. He was the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons and, like his brothers, became the father of the Israelite tribe bearing his name. In fact, it would be several years later when his father Jacob, now on his deathbed, proclaimed upon his sons the customary blessing. Though this was much more than the typical patriarchal blessing, it was a prophecy that would develop over the course of the history of the 12 tribes. Benjamin is no exception. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 27, Jacob declares, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. The emphasis on Benjamin is his warlike character, and the tribe of Benjamin fulfilled Jacob's prophecy by becoming extremely skilled warriors. In fact, says one historian, they were skilled archers and slingers, said to be able to shoot at a hare and never miss. 
They also trained their warriors to be ambidextrous in combat. And in fact, biblical accounts have a few stories of Benjamite warriors catching an opponent off guard by fighting with their left hands. The Benjamite warriors were indeed as fierce as ravenous wolves, and adopted that animal as the symbol of their tribe. The tribe of Benjamin did in fact produce some rather famous warriors, such as the judge Ehud, a left-handed man, as well as the very first king of the Jews, Saul, and his son Jonathan, who was a courageous military commander. Both Mordecai and Esther were Benjamites, as well as Paul the Apostle. Unfortunately, just as Jacob predicted, the Benjamites could also be ruthless, vicious, and cruel, as can be seen in the closing chapters of the Book of Judges. After Benjamites in the town of Gibeah rape a Levite's concubine, the tribe is nearly wiped out by the eleven other tribes. Hence King Saul's later statement that the tribe of Benjamin was smallest of the tribes was quite true. Nevertheless, a close alliance was formed between this tribe and that of Judah in the time of David, which continued after his death. After the exile, these two tribes formed the great body of the Jewish nation. And Benjamin's strong relationship with his brothers, Joseph and Judah, was also maintained by their tribes. So there you have it, the history of the tribe of Benjamin, and it reflects exactly the prophecy given by the patriarch Jacob in Genesis 49. And we saw parts of that prophecy really played out in the final chapters of Judges. And I believe what the writer of Judges was doing was showing that the tribe of Benjamin wasn't called to lead in a kingly role. That was Judah's function, which Jacob also prophesied about in Genesis 49, when he declared that the kingly scepter would not depart from Judah. But the writer of Judges clearly understood these prophecies of Jacob. And tomorrow, we're actually going to talk about the scepter of Judah. But until then, I want to reiterate the point that I made yesterday. And that is that the book of Judges called its original audience to follow a king who would lead them in knowing and fearing the Lord. And now it issues the same call to us, except that the king to follow is no longer David, but Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords from the tribe of, you guessed it, Judah. Yeah, and that tribe name means praise to God. So that's really, really that's right. interesting. So that excellent report, Ryan. Thank you. Janice? Well, I titled my segment Living for Christ, and we are in Judges chapter 18, and we're seeing how the Danites come in. They're, they're having to migrate. Now, you, you would think, now, why did they have to migrate when they were already given land that was allotted to them? Well, we learned that there was incomplete conquests of the land. Uh, some of the tribes did not fully follow what God had told them to do in the first place. And, and the Danites were one of those tribes. We can go back to the first chapter of Judges, and we see in verse, let's see, 34 and 35, and the Amorites, those are the Canaanites, living where the Danites were supposed to live. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And the Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Heres, in Aijalon, and in Shalabim. Yet, when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. So now we see the Danites migrating north, and we come upon Micah and this Levite that he has as a priest in his home, and they have idolatrous items in there. And the Danites begin to adopt those things. They don't confront Micah or, or condemn what he's got. In fact, they go in and they take it 
And then they ask the Levite, this priest, to become their priest, not just to Micah, but they entice him by saying, hey, do you want to just be a priest in, in, in one man's house, or do you want to be a priest over the tribe? And of course, the priest went with them. But what am I, what am I trying to get at? This beginning of this uh, taking and, and, and taking over the land that they had been promised by God, they were not careful to fulfill what God had given them to do. And oftentimes when we come to Christ, we think it's just a one-way thing, that we're just supposed to give our life to Christ and then things are going to change and God's going to make everything better for us and it's going to be great. That's not the way it is. We must know God's Word. We must have a relationship with God. And there may be, there will be, there will be things that we need to change. Now, can we do them on our own? No. We can't. If we could, God would not have needed to send His Son, Jesus Christ. But in order to follow the Lord, we need His help and we need His strength and we need to make those those moves that He has asked us to do with His help. And sometimes they're going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes they're going to seem impossible. And for us on our own, they are. But with God's help, He will help us to move forward and advance in the life that He has called us to do for the things, for the sins that we need, that have held us in bondage, that that keep us captive. Like the Danites, the Amorites had made them move away. They were determined. The Amorites were determined to stay there. And oftentimes, that's the way our attitudes are in the inside. We think we give everything to God, but then we keep the little parts that we kind of enjoy or that we think is just too much. Open up your heart today to the Lord Jesus and ask Him for His help to clear out those things and to help you to live that life that God has called us to live. And remember, we can't do it on our own. We need the Lord's strength. So if you're in that place today where you feel like you're just in a lonely place, you're in a dry place, you're in a difficult place, call out to the Lord Jesus and He will help you and keep moving forward. Spend time in prayer with God, get into His Word, and every day give Him that time in your life. Make Him a priority, and I guarantee you that God will help you to move forward. Today, remember, we have a Bible study that is not a Bible study, a prayer time for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30. Very important. That's Eastern time or New York time. We'll pray for you, Facebook, YouTube, or Bible Discovery TV. Today, we need to pray. Boy, do we need to pray. We need to say, Lord, I do love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for saving me and help me to worship you. Help me to come to you and follow you. Jesus' name.